Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the TA Fit My Motivation podcast. I just want to review on last week's episode with Steve Lane. Just got some excellent feedback off uh, quite a number of people, to be honest. It was uh, went down really well. The conversation we had about the topics that we, we covered was very in-depth. And uh, yeah, I think uh, everyone really appreciated that episode. So we're going to be trying to do some more episodes like this in, in the near future. But in this episode, we have Willie Tonga. He's an ex-international Australian player and he represented Queensland on a number of occasions. So he's a, he's a well-decorated rugby league star, to say the least. Um, I used to play with William Lee, and um, the reason that we wanted to get on was we, we were both kind of a quiet type player. Um, in terms of off the pitch, we, we quite kept ourselves to ourselves, uh, quite unassuming, um, misunderstood in a way. And I just wanted to uh, get Willie on because he has uh, some, we, we basically just had some really good stories and how we <coughs> dealt with certain situations in, in our careers and how we grew into playing. And it was just a good conversation to have a back and forth chat to see how um, stresses and strains of life in rugby and sport affected Willie and how he kept things quiet throughout his, his 16 year playing career and how how he, he, he revealed to, to me on this episode that he was suffering from anxiety and depression so um, and I've, I've been through those things as well so I just think this episode was, is really good really insightful and um, a, a little bit of appearing behind the curtain for how um, certain people deal with anxiety and stress and how they take it out on themselves how a lot of people turn to drugs alcohol and so yeah just just in this episode take it with i kept it as raw as possible i didn't want to edit the things out that potentially could have been offensive or or to someone or to to, to other people so i wanted to keep it as raw as possible because i wanted to make sure that these conversations need to need to be out there they need to be they need to be raw and uncut because at the end of the day these these issues are happening throughout sport and especially i know through through rugby like epidemically it's it's causes can cause many issues not to just the players themselves who who are who are, who are suffering but also to their family members and their peers around so anyway i just want i don't want to get into too much death you'll hear about in this in this episode but um yeah please listen please share please like please comment and um I will here uh, catch up with you at the end of this episode to review what's going on. So please enjoy. Here's episode eight with Willie Tonga. Got me? Yeah, brother. How's it going, man? Good, bro. How are you? Yeah, good. We're good. What are you up to? Uh, not much, eh? Um, yeah, just slowly getting back into work. Yeah. Um, yeah, not much at all, bro. How you been? Not bad. Um, just crazy with what's going on in it. Just uh, trying to get back on my feet. Trying to just, yeah, just trying to, you know, find it, find a bit of a pathway after rugby and stuff. Just um, still, still just chipping away and stuff. But just want to. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just one of them. You just got to try and find a, another pathway for yourself once rugby ends. You're just like, oh, what do I do with myself? What do I, where do I go? What, what kind of path do I take? So that's where this kind of whole things, things start kind of uh, grown from. So I've just like started to, you know, try and find something for myself instead of just having like, you know, because rugby was so structured for me. It was like yeah. so easy to just wake up, train and blah, blah, blah. Whereas now it's like you just that, that structure's gone. So it's quite, quite difficult. But anyway, I just want to catch up with you on a personal level first. Just like what you've been yeah. up to because like it's been like last time I spoke to you was probably, well, we just said with me and Renny were uh, having a few drinks. <laughs> 
2019. Like um, two days after my birthday, and um, yeah, I don't know where you boys were. Maybe at Rennie's or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but. but like, so I went. So we went. So I, I, I got like kind of. We were still the same club together, and I got kind of friendly with you. Was um, was it? Was it, in fact, it was probably the time when was I was on the on the train back from uh, was it the, the the Challenge Cup final? Was it or and uh, we were just we ended up we ended up uh, bumping into each other on the train. We went with separate groups. We were both playing for the same team, but we went with separate groups. Ended up catching up with you on the train on the way back for like. Four hours train train journey on the way back, and that's where we really like hit it off with you then. But um, let's go. Let's no, go, what I'm able to do? Go on, go on, Karen. I um, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit because um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about it, and <clears throat> when I signed with Lee, um, I think you might have been injured. Yeah, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know that, and um, because you didn't come in till later, and um, I heard when I was signed the contract. I heard um, them mention your name and um, and look, they're like, "Oh, what are we going to do about Tom?" Something like that. It was yeah. who's Tom? Yeah. Um, and then I didn't think anything of it. Met you maybe a couple of weeks later, or when I came back to training, and um, yeah, I, we didn't talk, man. No, no, no. I think I think what it was, right? What it was was I was um, that year, I, that the year before that, I was I was p- playing really well, and like I got I got approached by Warrington, by Saints, and by Wigan, and a few others. And um, I think the naivety of kind of my age at the time, I think I was like twenty five, maybe, and I, and I was like uh, obviously playing well, just just feeling good about myself. And then when they approached me, I think it kind of like got to my head a little bit, and I was like, oh yeah, like. like like obviously, I, I felt like I, I deserved to move up to back to Super League after I'd been to Super League. Then I went to university, and then I started playing well again for for Lee. And then I think like I didn't think of the bigger picture, and I just was like, oh, I want, I want to kind of go. And then um, I spoke to obviously I spoke to Derek and I spoke to um, to Rose at the time, and they were like, well, you've got a year left on your contract. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, I spoke to my agent, and my agent was trying to back me to say, you know what, you can, you, you're good enough, you should do this, blah blah. blah. But in retrospect, I probably should have just been, you know, happy with that fact that I had another year. Everyone was looking looking for me and, and I should have just played out like that year. But the reason that you came in was because I was basically, I was advised, probably ill-advised at the time to to take a knee, kind of, and to, to, to wait for the offer to come in. So I was like, sat there and like my agent was like, oh yeah, Tom, just, they'll come good for you, they'll, they'll sort it out, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it didn't, didn't pan out that way. I then had to, like, you know, sit on the sidelines for three, four, maybe five games. And then they signed you, obviously. But there was no... You you weren't to know any of the backstory of what was going on. In fact, I don't think many people would have known. So, obviously, there's that... But we never got talking, I think, because straight away it was like, oh, he's a centre, I'm a centre. And there was obviously a little bit of, like... Well, it's there's always that, isn't there, when you're playing? There's always, like, a little bit of... Um, what's the... You're you're always competing against your, your next centre on. You're always like that. So, I think that's the backstory of why I wasn't playing. So, like then you come in, and then obviously you come in, and then that's where you you that's where I met you. Obviously, originally. So um, I want to just go away from us. I want to I want you to talk about yourself, and I like 
how you got into rugby, the, the, uh, your early life, like, so growing up, your mom, your dad, where you're from, your, your, your ethics, your background, kind of religion, everything that you can kind of give, give us a synopsis of who you are if people didn't know who you were, where you came from kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I was born in Canberra, um, which is the capital of Australia. <clears throat> um, my mother's Aboriginal, um, Indigenous Australian. Um, my dad's Tongan. Yeah. Uh, and we grew up in a little country town um, outside of New South Wales. Um, yeah, just upbringing. Yeah, it was simple, um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I'm the oldest of um, I'm the oldest. There's two brothers, two sisters. Um, when I was about 10 or 11, we moved to a little, another little country town um, to a Bible college because my, my dad's a minister. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we went there for a couple of years. Um, and, yeah, we moved to a little, another little country town up in Queensland. And um, that's kind of where I, I started playing rugby league um, just because of my, my mates were. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sort of um, fell in love with it. Um, didn't really take it serious until I was around 16, 17. Um, yeah, that's, like, that's, that's, that's like pretty late. That's pretty late to start to take it seriously, to be fair. But yeah, I, I just wanted to play with my mates, really. Yeah. And um, I guess, you know, the more that I, I fell in love with the game, I, I got hungrier and, and started, you know, training by myself. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, my dad told me, um, you know, if I, if I stuck to it, I could go a long way. And my uncles would tell me that as well. Um, but it didn't register until some complete stranger told me that. Yeah. Enough to, to go all the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because you don't want you don't, like no matter what your your parents and like your family members always back you, don't they? They're always going to say, "Oh, you're brilliant, this, brilliant." That. Yeah, until, yeah. It, until it comes from, like you said, a complete stranger, you don't realize what what you've actually got there. I suppose that's where you kind of that, that's that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, and like, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I high school, um, that was the white community, right, and. Yeah, it's pretty. There's a long story behind it, but um, well, we've got time if you want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, when when the I guess when Australia was colonised and um, you know Captain Cook came over, then they they just try to you know separate um, you know Aboriginals like taking kids from their families. Yeah. Um, and they, they call that the stolen generation now. Um, so I, I know um, people that are older who are part of that stolen generation that don't know their parents, um, right. their family, don't know, um, yeah, don't know anything about their background. They were, some of them were um, put in white communities, white families, um, and that's how they were brought up. Right. Um, and that's, so, this, is only, this is only like two generations ago. So. Yeah. Uh, 
the beginning of the um, I think it was 1900s. Right, right, okay. So it's like 100 years, um, maybe. not too. Not yeah, too yeah, it's like in when you look at it, look at it, it's it's not long ago at all. No, no. But yeah, um, so. So you, were, yeah. so you were in these, so you were in one of these missions, kind of, and then so you were kind of like in, like you were you were, in your mission was kind of obviously a, a heavy uh, uh, Aboriginal or Black population, and then you went to school, and then that was kind of your first kind of introduction to kind of like mixed ethnicities as such. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, in other country towns that I've lived in, um, well, where my dad went to Bible college. Um, we were the only um, indigenous family in that school. Yeah. The whole school was pretty much white. Yeah. And then us. Um, and that was pretty tough, yeah. um, you know, experience, like experiencing racism and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then when we moved to Sherbrooke, which is that mission, um, you know, like a lot of us would go into the white community to go to school. Um, and that was, that was my high school. And so you, so you think there's that, those kind of like experiences as a, uh, how old you in high school there, you, you kind of, did you, was that kind of uh, instrumental in how you developed as a, as an older man, as, as a man going into rugby or was it, Kind of, did you like just brush it off, or you just have a? Did you just have to develop a thick skin? Was it kind of like, did that become like instrumental to you, or was it kind of like, oh, just it is what it is, kind of thing? Um, <clears throat> it was like this is how we were brought up, you know, with within the Aboriginal community. Um, we go to school, and then, you know, um, and like we had, I had, you know, friends that were non-Indigenous. Yeah. Um, but we'd go back home and then you know just be around um, the indigenous community. The hardest part for me was moving from a little country town, maybe twelve hundred people, to Sydney by myself. Right. Um, and for the first year, I was I was living with um, family friends, and then the second year, I moved in with um, like house parents. Um, and so there were four other boys, um, all of them, like the whole family and the, the other boys were non-Indigenous. Yeah. Um, and then there was me. And, you know, back then I was very shy, um, you know, wouldn't say boo. And so that was hard trying to, um, I think I was 17, 18. Right, right. Um, yeah, that was, that was hard trying to, um, to like fit in, I suppose. Yeah, trying to fit in and um, <clears throat> being away from my family and um, having to learn how other people live. Right. Yeah. So, so that so like being 17, 18 was kind of <clears throat> your first experience on your own in a sense, like outside of the township, outside the mission. Like this is you living on your own for the first time. And you've you've just been you've gone from there to to was this or presumably to, to pursue obviously professional sport. Yeah, so you've kind of like gone into this little group of four and you've kind of just been thrown together. 
and you being not you me knowing you you are a bit like me in a sense that like you, you you're not the loudest person and you you but you, you you're like you're quietly unassuming but then also you like it takes it takes a while to, to warm up to you and like like it like it can do with me like you can do it's not and it's, and it's not the fact that i'm um I, a lot of people get me wrong in the sense that if, if they take me for face value i kind of can look a little bit ignorant or sometimes arrogant because i'm not I'm not as forthcoming with going up to someone and be like, yo, how's it going, man? Like, uh, like trying to join in with the chat. And, I'm, and I know I, I think you're a bit similar to me in that way. So I found it really hard. You were 17, 18. I found it really hard when I was at Saints, when I was at Saints for the first time, when I was coming through the, the academy process, because there's so many big characters. Like, and then you, you get thrown into a, a first team, like a, we they called it the Jets, where you were like a feeder into the, the, the first team. And so, riffing off what you kind of said is it was similar for me in the sense that I was not from really a rugby kind of family or rugby background. My dad played football, uh, semi-pro kind of level. And then I was like, oh, once picked up rugby and I wasn't from around the same town. <clears throat> so I was like from a, a football town about, it's only 20 minutes down the road. But then <clears throat> me trying to fit in with that group, I was a bit like you in the sense, I just felt a little bit like oh, a bit quiet and trying to like prove myself on it's like quietly, but not fitting in well and not gelling with a lot of people because I was come, came across a little bit maybe moody, but I wasn't. I was just trying to fit in and yeah. I didn't know how to do that, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. 100%, man. Um, a lot of people, yeah, have, they think that um, because I'm quiet and I'm quite reserved, um, I've taken that as, as you said, ignorant and... Yeah. Um, yeah, stuck up and um, kind of too cool to, you know, to want to talk to. Exactly. <laughs> That's not it. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I thought you were ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yeah, but it's back, back, back at you because we was in the same, we're like training in the same gym and it's a small gym, but then I didn't know how to approach you, but vice versa, you didn't know how to approach me. It's like this kind of stand up. Like there was one time, there was one time. Um, I think it was that day off, and it was just me and you in the gym. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I was. We, I, I had physio. You had physio. I think we were both like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we're just like both stretching or whatever. Yeah. Um. There, there was one particular time I remember. It was just me and you in the gym. It might have been our day off or something. Yeah. And we, I think we we even we might have said hello and that was it. But there was no conversation. I'm like, um, what have I done, man? Like, <laughs> Honestly, thought that. Isn't it funny though, like, because I was, I'm going in there thinking, oh god, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm, I like, because I knew you as a as a rugby player from afar, but like, I'm not a big watcher of rugby. Like, I, I never have been because my my family's like sport, but I knew of you. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I knew who you were, knew you and whatnot. So I felt like, and, and and to be to be quite honest, a lot of my experiences with like kind of go through rugby like uh when foreign players came in and like was like challenged me for a position they were they were a lot more aggressive and a lot more like you know um boisterous than i am and a lot more like had had a lot to say and so like i did have a few times previously in different clubs uh, a lot of um hate because i was like that quite quiet and then i'd stop then i didn't know how to take so that situation i probably felt a little bit awkward because i was like oh i don't know whether he doesn't like me either but i'll just be quiet because 
I'm like, yeah. I was like the young, I was like, I'm like the younger one, so I was like expecting you to kind of come and speak. I know it sounds like proper childish, but I just don't want that. Yeah, no, I, I get it, but I remember that day. Um, yeah, we were in there for like an hour, but <laughs> might have said hello. And- it was awkward, man. But, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's cool, you know, that we're we're able to, like, you know, talk yeah, to yeah. each other. Now you'll message me now, and I'll message you. But um, yeah, awkward time. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? But it's mad how like you, you can't like all, all these things that like develop. You don't, you just don't know, like, because I like just looking from your my point to you. I was just like a bit worried that you'd be like judging me and vice versa so you 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 obviously were just like why is he not speaking to me i've had done something wrong but clearly from your end it looks like you've come in and i'm in a mood with you because you're challenging me for my position kind of thing so i can see i can see exactly how it like unfolded and how it ended up like it did so let's go back to you being with your group of four and you're about to who's who you signed for here to start with Para, yeah and so how did that kind of how did you move from there to then? Obviously, let's like kind of you, you obviously went into you ended up playing Origin, you ended up playing uh, internationally. So, how did the like your, your, your club kind of synopsisize how your club level kind of developed and then into your, your, your kind of Origin and then international? Because I want to get onto some obviously chats about you know mental health and uh, whatever we can in terms of fitness mindset, motivation kind of things and, and whatnot. So, I just want to kind of keep it as because uh, everyone like i mean like people can google you and know who you are but like i want to try and get a bit more about who you are as a person as well yeah <clears throat> yes yeah, so I, I moved to sydney as a 17 year old um i i ended up playing first grade as an 18 year old like um everything you know moved so quickly and then um after that i i struggled in first grade because my coach at the time, um, I'd never been more scared of a man other than my dad, than um, the coach of the Paramount Eels at the time. Um, and- Who's that you know, coach? Who's the coach at the time? Uh, Brian Smith. I was in St. Brian Smith, who was coached over in England. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Wakefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was my coach at the time, um, and I haven't I haven't spoken to him about it, but I've I've thought about it a lot, you know. And the way he used to treat me, I always wondered was he trying to break me? Yeah. So, and the thing with a lot of um, you know country boys and especially indigenous boys. They've got all the talent in the world, and um, when they move to the big city, they really struggle, um, and um, they just go back home, and um, yeah, you never hear of them again. Yeah. And so, you know, the way I, I got treated by him, I thought that he was trying to break me, so um, to see if I'd go back home. Um, I think I think that generation of like coaches and stuff that that happened a lot because, again, I'll just uh, give you a little. A little example of what happened to me is like like when I was um, I came through Daniel Anderson. Daniel Anderson was like like sound. He was obviously quite a the thing. Is Saints were winning at the time, so it was like uh, he was quite an aggressive coach. But 
he got the job done and he was like, he knew, he knew if you weren't on the line, you'd, you'd, you'd get you'd get told off. But like, if you were doing well, he'd praise you, you know, like, and everyone was equal, kind of like, you'd get praised. So would one of the, the, the like, Kieran Cunningham or Liam Price, that like, whoever they get praised, like, but then you, if you did something good, you get praised. But even as a kid, you know what I mean? Just like 17, 18. But then when Mick Potter came in afterwards, it was like a total, totally different scenario. Like, if I, I felt like, a lot of the time, well, I like you. I, I was worried that anything I did wrong was going to be like scrutinized, criticized. You'd get a bollocking in video, and those kind of things, like public humiliation things, that happen quite often. I, I, I did. Well, I was late for training once because um, I don't know. I can't remember what happened. It was actually just a, a case of you know a couple of minutes late. And uh, for the next six weeks or eight weeks, he had me cook everyone's barbecue breakfast on a, on a Saturday. And I, at the time, I was on like pennies, and so I had to pay for the breakfast and cook everyone, <laughs> everyone breakfast every every Saturday or Sunday while I was 17th, 18th man. But like, I'm not even joking. Eight weeks, I was thinking, he's just really trying to like break me, and he's like getting all the lads against me. And I was like, I didn't need that enough as it was because I was like quite a quiet guy. And it was just like, honestly, I felt like that as well. I'm not really set, mentioned much about it, but since you said that, I thought, you know what, it is. He was all like that. Yeah, it does happen, and I think, um, especially when we started, um, you know, it was a lot harder. Like coaches came down on you a lot harder, and um, you know, going too far into it. I feel a lot of the boys now, um, yeah. What I see is that um, a lot of the boys uh, they need that baby. They need to be babied through. Um, you know, and they, they're not showing that, um, you know, whether you call it tough love or, or whatever it may be. Or even just when you go in with, you're one of the rookies and you've got these older boys around and, you know, um, they talk down to you. Now you've got these young boys that'll um, give it back. You know, they sort of, that respect level is sort of gone out the window. Um, that's what I've seen anyways. Um, yeah, but... <clears throat> So you were, so you, yeah, Brian Smith, come on. yeah, you're saying. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I wasn't sure whether he was trying to break me. And it got to a point where I was playing first grade, but I didn't want to. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't want to be there. Um, and so I, I played five games the first year. Second year, I played three games. Um, and I was happy to, I just, all I wanted to do was just play reserve grade. I didn't want to train with the first graders. I didn't want to play first grade. Um, and then, um, yeah, the year after that, I signed with the Bulldogs. And, um, yeah, I was starting first grade. And, you know, that's a year I, I made state of origin and played in the country. Um, so, like, the Bulldogs, that, that's, that's, that, that's the squad with, like, Sonny Bill, obviously yourself, and then that... that, that, that Rennie, uh, Willie Mason. Um, yeah, we had a lot of the um, a lot of the big dogs there. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we made the grand final that year. Yeah, and so like going from power playing playing one or two games a year, and then being thrust into that kind of team, was that like um, would, would they like kind of welcoming? Was it because it was a bit of a younger squad, wasn't it? Like they're all like similar. They were quite a younger younger group than. And I think that I think that kind of helps, like now limit, like level the playing field in terms of like the social side of things. Because 
like I think what you what happened with you at Paro is like a little bit with me at Saints was like um, that feeling of always having to prove yourself, always trying to fit in with the older older group, and always Ooh. having to do something spectacular. Where where I think if you're when I like kind of went to Lee, I know it's different kind of level, <laughs> but when I went to Lee, it's like all the lads were similar age, and it was so easy to just like well, and everyone just like like respected you for doing for playing well and just training hard and like you just got that respect like across the board whereas no matter how hard I trained and how fit I was like that was my kind of thing being the fittest on the team and no matter what I did for Saints it was just it just wasn't enough and I think that like you I felt like oh, I've got to just really really don't want to play today or really I don't know that sounds like so what's the word sound almost sounds like you know um, imagine how many people would bite your hand off to be in that situation kind of thing and you're like you're like kind of you're shunning it, but when you're not happy, it's so hard to to perform when you're not happy. And I think that's how I ended up. But then you went to the ball, so you went to ball. Did you find that same thing where you just instantly gelled with with the group? Yeah, I, <clears throat> you're so right. And I, I got along with all the Parramatta boys, but they were older, um, and so I tried to I struggled to find my place within that team. Yeah. Um, and then when I did go to the Bulldogs. Um, yeah, a lot of us were young um, and, you know, Sonny hadn't made his debut yet. Uh, Rennie hadn't made his debut yet. Roy Asatasi. So um, we're the same age and, um, yeah, I felt just a lot more comfortable. But in saying that, um, and I, I don't need to sound cocky, but I knew I was a first grader yeah. when I was like, I knew that I could play first grade, but like you said before, if you're not happy, then you're not going to perform. Mm. And I didn't want to play first grade. I, I wasn't happy there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so from so from the Bulldogs, you obviously had a good season. And then you kind of, well, that's when you met Rennie, that's when you met uh, Sonny, and then you had a, that's where you've gone to, um, you've got, got second for Origin. So just on a, on a level, because I've never... I've never even really spoke to you about Origin or spoke to her because you don't, it's not really a thing that you do. Is <laughs> like, you go, oh, how was your game? Yeah, how was it at Origin? You don't really speak. So, but obviously, from watching Origin, for me, that looks like the toughest environment of a game that I, I've ever seen. Like, the, the hype is massive. Everyone's like completely up for the game. It's like a grand final every single game. So, that's how I see it as, well, as, a, as a spectator. And, um, I just think, what what is it like to be in those in that situation? Being in origin, is it the toughest? Is it, is it as tough as it looks? Is it the hardest game that you've ever played in? Kind of thing is that kind of what it is what it's about? What tell me what it's about a bit more? Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's just another level. It's um it's the quickest game you'll ever play, the most aggressive game you'll ever play, the toughest, um, and it's it's like a um like every game is like a grand final, like every, like you're just gonna, every tackle is like they go in to take your head off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was only 20 years old when I made my debut in Origin. Um, yeah, and I'm looking at, it felt surreal being in that stadium, um, you know, playing alongside, um, some of the guys are um, immortals now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, at the same time, I I knew that I I belonged there. Yeah. If that meant, like I, I was confident in my ability um, 
to be able to play alongside um, the best in the world. Yeah. At 20 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I had that confidence, but I, I wasn't, um, I didn't walk around and, and show it off. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Because like, um, I'm just thinking back from when you used to play, when, when we used to play together. Like you, your prep is a little bit similar. Like I, I, I don't like to speak much in the change rooms. I kind of keep myself to myself, kind of unassuming. You always had your headphones on. I always, like I said, I'll literally speak to him. I used to speak to Liam next door, next to me, and then just like get my headphones on. I used to go into the physio room and stretch off or whatnot for like the first half an hour because it kind of, I, I got too nervous anyway. So like, I didn't want to add more nerves to that situation. So I just had to take myself away. So you, in that respect, you all like kind of, You've got your headphones on and you're just doing you, you know, like so I kind of see where like you just keeping yourself to yourself is like um, yeah. is that your way of chilling or is that the way of, like your preparation? Yeah, I think I've always been like that. Um just yeah. you know, I just zone in and I don't want like you you see other boys will be laughing and joking and um yeah like just mucking around in the in the sheds, but um yeah, I could never be like that. Um, <clears throat> and I think now it's like, I, I didn't realise how stressful it was until I've retired. Like, you know, putting your, like, just mentally, like, you know, going through it, even though you've done it a hundred times, yeah. you still feel the same. Um, I don't know about you, yeah. but... <laughs> Right, like so. What, what I, my Danielle, my, my, my missus, she basically used to say, like, I would be so from from a Thursday. I, th I think this is uh, one reason why there's a lot of like drug, alcohol, and <laughs> vice use in, in in the sport because for for the first week, so for me, like Danielle would say, for from say Tuesday, no Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like, my head's just focused on the game. Like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm starting to think about the game, you know, like, and I start to be a bit more edgy. I was a bit more, like, quiet. And I was always, like, you know, started to, like, act differently, as in, like, <clears throat> I was just focused on training. I was focused on this, like, and I wasn't, I was a bit vacant in certain situations, family situations, and and sitting down for dinner even, or I, I was, like, focusing on video or whatever I was doing. So I was, like, kind of, even though I didn't look like I was doing much, I was always, like, kind of starting to switch on on a Wednesday or a Thursday. So then you have then you have a three day lead up. So then Friday, then you've got captains on Friday, say, and the game on Saturday or whatever, however it works out. So then you're you're then almost even more like stressed and working yourself up. So that's why by the time it got to a Saturday or a Sunday, whenever we're playing, I was like, you know, I wanted to kind of not I couldn't I couldn't dick around and and like just be like, like, you know, people are laughing and joking. I just couldn't switch on like that because I've been building up for the whole week. I've been switching on yeah. for the whole week. So then for, for that, so for someone to be like a little bit like, oh, just, you know, we're playing this or just like taking the piss. It just like, it, it grated on me a bit. I was a bit like, well, it, it's annoying because I couldn't, more than anything, I wish I could probably do that and just be like, you know, just switch on, but I can't because I'm not like, I'm not a, an overly aggressive person. It takes me the full like few days to like really rev myself up because I'm quite a chill, quite quiet guy. And until until I get on that pitch when I was like that's when I was start that's when I would be aggressive but aside from that I'm, I'm not and I'm quite quiet and my missus would be like the only time I relaxed was when that game was over for the next day or two and we're kind of off so then that relaxation becomes let's just go and party because that was my only release so for the whole week I'm like 
building myself up in this way. I don't know, if, obviously, if you're any similar, because you're a quiet guy like me in, in, in that sense. Do you feel you played the game in your head a lot of time before the game? 100%, mate. 100%. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> mate, I'm like, I'm like ruminating like stupid moves. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. So I'm going through the plays, looking at who I've got in front of me. So I've got this line of four in front of me. I'm thinking, what line I'm going to use, if I'm going to run overs, if I'm going to run unders, and I'm going to go out, I'm going to lift, like, I'm going to flip pass with him, or look at the video, is he going to attack me on the inside, I'm going to go round. Like, I'm thinking all these things, but then you overthink, like, you sometimes overthink. Yeah, 100%. And people have asked me, like, do you miss it? And I think about that. I think yeah. about, you know, the process of um, getting your head right and um, all the little things you've got to, you make sure that you tick, during the week, yeah. um, just to get yourself right. And um, that's probably the one thing I miss the least. Like, have all the, that whole build up just for, um, I wouldn't say just for, but like an 80 minute game, which um, you do, you know, you do for a living. Like, um, the game isn't, hasn't changed. Um, you still got 13 players in front of you. Like, but yeah, the, the things that you put yourself through mentally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, a lot of times it got a little bit too much. And then um, sometimes, yeah, I did play the game um, in my head before I'd run out. Yeah. Well, then those those times when you do overthink the game, that's when the, the, the mistakes happen because you've, you've, you're overthinking, you're catching a ball even. Like you start to, you start to think, oh God, if we get in that position, you start to, yeah, you start to think of when, when I drop the ball or if I drop the ball, this is going to happen. Then you start to like overthink. You start to errors creep in. Then then you then you knock yourself for for those errors and you put yourself down for those errors. I don't know if if you're like that, but if something happened negative towards me, then I would always be my own worst critic. I'd be like, God, like I know I know I've done bad, and it's it's quite hard for me. Then it was quite hard for me to then recover because I. I'd always be putting myself down for the whole game, no matter what, even if I just made that little one, one little mistake. But the the best, I think, a lot, a lot of the good players who can just brush that off, and then you know do do something yeah. ten minutes, two minutes later, and then just cancels it out. Whereas I always thought about that for, the, for most of the game, unless I did something spectacular. I don't know if any, if you're similar in that respect. Yeah. If, if I if I drop the ball, if I knock the ball on, the next time I'm about to receive the ball is like. Don't knock this on. Don't drop this ball. Yeah. Um, and then you catch it, like you're overthinking it, and then you catch it, and then you like a lot of the times I I was so focused on you know catching the ball and worried about the play up or yeah. play when I got the ball. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't dwell on dwell on, on the mistake, but I, I'd be thinking the next play just catch the ball or just just make this tackle. Um, yeah, I think as I got older, I was able to um, be a lot better and, you know, block it out. But, yeah, definitely when I was younger, um, I didn't play in my head. And, you know, I'd, I'd be worried about, um, you know, my family watching the game. Yeah. I'm worried about what fans are thinking. I'm worried about what the coach is thinking. I'm worried about, you know, um, you just knock the ball on, you know, 10 metres out of your line and you've got to defend the line. And you're out in the centres. Like yeah. you're not in the middle, you've got all these other people working hard and you're just out there just um, taking a break. Yeah. All those things were just um, playing my mind. 
the 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 video session would play on my mind. <laughs> I just you know, it's, you just think, oh, I'm gonna get absolutely ruined in video for that. Yeah, that was the worst. Especially you know, you played a, a bad game. Um, a lot of times, I would look at the clips. Um, like sometimes you'd see the clips coming up, and you're like, uh, or you look at the minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's a time, um, <laughs> when I, or I missed that tackle and they scored. Like, um, so you're just dreading that. Um, so yeah, let me let, let me just let me just talk on um on, on the bulldogs for a minute. So like you were kind of um, obviously you kind of gelled in that 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 side. So like when I was when I was at Liam, like and, and I felt like I was like belonged in like we're gelling in that side. It was um it was I think the mental side and in terms of stress, I had a lot less stress because I felt like um and a lot less preparation for the week because I felt like I I didn't I, I felt that those that those couple of years, I didn't. Didn't I wasn't worried as much about about my prep, uh, but but I played better because I was probably more relaxed and like I wasn't ruminating over like 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 we just spoke about like oh I'm gonna drop this I'm gonna do this play I'm think overthinking things because I felt like it was just coming naturally because I think I had the support of my my teammates my peers more than anything but I also had support of the coach because the coach was, at the time was saying to me just back yourself you you're doing well anything you get if you if you fuck up. It doesn't matter because I know you'll do something right in, 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 you know, next play or whatever. So that having that confidence instilled in me from my peers and my coach, that really did help me. So was it similar in that respect? Yeah, definitely. Because we were so young, um, you know, I was 20 years old, you know, son was 18 years old, Rennie, 2021. Um, we didn't have um, much expectation, I don't think. Um, Maybe we did, I just didn't know, but we just went out there and played footy. And our coach, um, Steve Posting, he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, he just gave us a freedom to play. And um, and I think now um, a lot of the boys are getting overcoached. Um, and um, yeah, I think that can play on your mind too. You think you're being overcoached and you're not playing to your strengths. Um, not playing what you're good at, and um, but we didn't have that at the Bulldogs. It was like just just play footy, just yeah. play what you said. Um, and I think that's why, you know, especially in that first year, why we were so successful because we had no, we didn't worry about anything else. We just played and just had fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, with um, so then like if I want to kind of still touch on the fact that with um the kind of mental health side of things if we go so like my hardest time was injuries for me like well and i know that you've had a whole swathe of injuries like i think you had more injuries i think you had more operations than having injuries to be honest but um my my, my so that was the hardest point for me not being so like again i found it hard to fit into a side and whatnot so me being out of the side and kind of sidelined when you when things aren't going well for the team or when you're not going when things aren't going well for you because you're injured, I found that really difficult. Uh, and, and I know I probably should have just like grown thicker skin or something, but I found those times when you're injured, that was when you should be like doing all these things more, like you should be doing more and more to help yourself get back. But when you feel marginalized and sidelined anyway as it is, and then you've got an injury to deal with, it's like kind of, uh, how do you go about it? I, I struggled with I struggled with that. Luckily, I was only injured once, really once or twice in my time. I did a knee and then I did my hip and then I retired. <laughs> so, uh, but I just couldn't deal with it. But so how did how did you manage to? You've had knees, 
uh, shoulders, recons, everything, haven't you? So how have you? How did you manage to stay focused and come back on on those um, on the, like when you've had, when you've had those uh, operations and sideline phrases? Uh, I think for me it was um, you know wanting to prove like and that's how I've sort of um, from when from when I first came into the league into the game um, I always had something to prove yeah. and I remember um, the first time time I did my knee and I was out um, I I just finished playing for Australia like my um, so I played for Australia in like a, an Anzac test and then a couple of weeks later, done my knee. Um, and <clears throat> I remember being at a pub and I was talking to some random dude and then um, he told me, he said, um, some, something along, along the lines of, I think you're gonna be, just be a one hit wonder. Um, <clears throat> and I was 21 at the time and he was, and he was just naming the centers that were coming along, like Mark Gasnier um, was, you know, on fire. And then, like, he was, he was the Australian center um, after, and Justin Hodges. And, and I don't know, like, I had the conversation with him when I was 21, and I still remember that conversation. And I've been injured. I'm like, all right, I'm going to prove him wrong. Right. Um, and then I've, I've heard other, you know, people say, yeah, you're done. Um, you're never going to be the same player, um, and I'd, maybe I maybe I wasn't, or maybe I I don't I don't know I don't feel I ever got back to um, the 2004 um, the way I was playing that year. But just in the back of my mind, I was like, um, I always want to prove those people wrong that said that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd never make it or I was done. Yeah. Um, and throughout my whole career, like, I've always had that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good driving force, though. Like, I know that everyone uses different things. And, like, if some... Like I, I used to... I Again, I used to... I didn't like the, the that side of things when, when you would hear, like, you know, the odd comment on uh, Twitter or whatever it was at the time or in forums or something, we'd hear something crap. But a lot of the time, you know, just it's just a lot of haters. You know, <laughs> just people are just hate, hating on you. And like, there's a, a good amount of people. Obviously, would would definitely say that you at the time you were you were killing it. So, but you we I think as humans we tend to listen to negative feedback, don't we? Negative criticism, and we we hang on that. So I think like you've used that and held on it. Like, I think that's I think that's what you do. Um, you know, a lot of people you know try and say that um, they don't care about what what other people think, but um, I think deep down we all. We all care yeah. um, to an extent about what people think, and you know whether it's your family, your friends, your um, your teammates. Like, um, yeah, I found that early um, to just worry about you know the people I care about, what they think, mm. and um, yeah, and I, I still got. I, I, I've been caught up in, you know, thinking about um, what people are saying and what the fans are saying and, um, you know, what the coaches might be saying. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that um, I feel a lot of the, a lot of fans just might, you know, 
say that you've played a bad game and, and you know, start talking shit about you, but um, they don't realise the effect that it has on that person. Um, and I know a lot of people, a lot of the boys, they do go on those forums and they read right into it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mentally, it's not going to put you in a good place. No, it's going to be, it, it, that's what it, is, it is awful, but then you've got, a lot of people would say, well, what a lot of people do say, that are oh, you professionals, you should be able to just deal with that kind of criticism, but like, <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're not the ones sat in our shoes and having to take, you know, you're always looking for a little pat on the back somewhere and you always just want someone to go, all right, you're, you're doing well, like, that's it. And like, I think coaches these days, I don't know. I'm not. In, I'm not. I'm not surrounded by rugby anymore, really. But I'd like to think that coaches these days are a little bit more able to recognise when someone needs a pat on the back and when someone doesn't, and also like we're able to maybe um, just dangle a carrot when they needed to be when when they need some kind of recognition or form. First of all, we'll stay off social media and stuff like that. You know, like have little little guidelines. I don't. Are you still involved with uh, coaching or anything at the minute? So um, I do a little bit of um, one-on-one coaching. Yeah. Um, just involved with a um, with a business called Playbook, and they <clears throat> they've got all these coaches from whatever sport you can think of, and um, yeah, whoever wants coaching can just you know go on their website and um, whether it's rugby league or swimming or cricket or whatever, um, they want to be coached one-on-one. Um, you know, they can just go online and find. Um, find that coach and I think it's a good it's good because a lot of kids they go to training and you know they might have only have one coach yeah. and, you, and they've got like 20 boys in the team or 20 girls in a team um, they want that one-on-one coaching so um, that sounds yeah. sick that sounds really good so is that like just Aussie, is that Aussie based just Aussie, Aussie only or is that worldwide no I think it's just um, in Australia at the moment um, but yeah, before coming on board, I, I had no interest of you know coaching. I've always said, once I'm done with the game, I'm done. Um, you know, I, I, I hardly watch footy um, at the best of times. But um, yeah, since I've been you know coaching these one-on-one sessions, um, yeah, it's it's cool to see a kid not know something, and then all of a sudden they pick that skill up and they they're able to do it like. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's cool to see that, and um, I find it's more rewarding, you know, when you're able to, um, you know, teach you know other kids um, the knowledge that you know about the game. Yeah, definitely. Something something that I definitely like. I'm interested in more and more than more. Like, kind of doing my uh, coaching myself, but like personal training coaching is totally different. But like getting into sports specific stuff would be something that I'm like really, really starting to like think about more and more because like you said, it's just nice to see you can pass on some knowledge and see that actually developing a a, 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 a young lad or a girl, whatever. I think, I think more since I've had a, a baby that's like, that's given me that kind of wanted to mold something because obviously you see him trying to mold, 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 mold your kid. You just want to, you want to pass on that knowledge and he's, he's, he's too young at the minute. He's too young. He's only two. But like that, that's why now I'm feeling like oh, it'd be good to be able to like you know help people out because like I mean I'm only 31 myself, but like it's the fact that I'm like unable to play rugby anymore because of my hip, which is like gutting really. But it is what it is. But like the that that now I still got that kind of drive to want 
to play and have that kind of drive to want to be competitive so like I could do the next best thing is kind of live through some vicariously through someone else and coach I suppose yeah. I think that's what I think that's like the, the goal I suppose but um, I want to kind of steer it away and kind of go back to what we were saying in terms of because I've got a, quite a few people lined up talking about you know like the whole situation with COVID and whatnot and everything being like a big focus on mental health so I'm trying to like my next few guests are all going to be talking about uh mental health issues and what they're doing. I've got a, a guy on I'm talking about his app and, and mental health fitness app kind of thing. So in light of that, I want to kind of go back and speak about the t- challenges that it is as, as a sportsman, the challenge it is as a sportsman then coming out of sport and the challenges that we face in terms of um, like, well, in terms of uh, like, like, like we said before, like the, the mental strains that we go through a week how, how that has effect on our on our mental health how we how we go from being in a a, a really masculine male uh de- developed the male environment where we can't really say much about our feelings or say much about what we do so we kind of take out on ourselves by either drinking taking drugs partying whatever whatever the vice is the tramadol bloody uh diazepam all these things that people start to take and whatnot and start to start to become addicted to because of the stress and strains of rugby. I think it happens. I think it happens a lot in rugby, and obviously we're we're doing we can talk about because we've been in there. But I think it's like because of that. That I think for me it was more like self punishment. So to say, um, so the fact that I was injured, I kind of thought right, well, it's your own, your own fault. Kind of, you, there's no one really can talk to because the physio. You just sit in the physio room, you sat on your back. So that's when I kind of self destructed was when I was injured and probably the worst time to do so is because I felt like I needed to punish myself for not performing. I don't know that it sounds daft, but what's your kind of, what was your kind of um, experiences with like, say, because you, you didn't, did you drink, did you drink much? You weren't really a big drinker or, well, I suppose in the Bulldogs, you could not have been a drinker because everyone was a drinker in the Bulldogs. Yeah, it was like, um, that was the cult, that was the Bulldog culture. It was like, um, <clears throat> Train hard, play hard, drink hard. Yeah. Um, that year that was in the grand final, we were out every single weekend. Yeah. Um, and we were going hard. Yeah. But we made sure that when we got to training on Monday, um, yeah, we we made sure that we had our head on and um, yeah, we didn't sort of we didn't sort of muck around. Um, and that was the culture. I guess for me, <clears throat> the hardest thing was injuries. But um, as you know, when you're injured, you're not around the, the main group. No. Like there's times where, um, you know, there'd be days or a couple of weeks where I wouldn't even see the boys, especially at the Bulldogs. You know, I, I'd have to come in, um, get my physio early before they before they train. You know, I'm training by myself. Um, and you don't have that interaction with those boys. And um, I'm not sure if it's changed now, like they, if they sort of um, have the injured boys come in and watch sessions or some, or, you know, things like that. But um, I remember not even being part of like video sessions yeah. or anything. So that, that was a tough thing for me. Yeah. Um, and I experienced it throughout my whole career. So. You know, once you're injured, you're sort of, you're left by yourself and everybody's forgotten about you. And 
you're going through troubles alone. And um, like you said, because it's a, a, um, a male dominant dominated sport, you know, look like the girls now playing and, you know, the females and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like I know throughout my whole career that I would never, you know, pull one of the boys aside and say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like shit, I'm feeling down. Um, like those conversations just never happen. No. And, and even even now, like when, when it's being talked about more, it's still, I don't think it still is happening. Like I don't think it is. So, like you, you, because what you'll have, you'll have like an intervention, you'll have like you'll go in, like they'll say, Oh, we need to do more about it. So they'll put a bit of funding into sport or rugby or whatever. Then you'll get someone come in from some kind of, uh, I don't know, society or some kind of charity talking about when someone's had, had a, a, ba- a bad time, when someone's tried to, to commit suicide or vice versa or whatever happened, then they'll come in and talk about it. But then it'll be forgotten about as soon as those people walk out that door. It's just forgot about. It. It's probably even laughed about when you having when you having a, a chat. You know, like you having a feed. It's probably laughed about. And that's what. That's how I felt. Like that the money that people are putting into these like um, into these like uh, funds and charities to try and help people's mental health. It's just it's just it's just a, a cue card where someone just goes. It's just a tick box. Oh yeah, someone's come in and talked about it. What what hmm. what's your kind of view on it? Yeah, I feel um, a lot of the times, you know, especially with my experience. It just would go through one ear at the other, um, and you're right. A, a lot of the boys would probably just laugh it off, and um, you know, we think that. Um, I know we get said a lot, but you know, how they say it's weak to speak. Like I genuinely thought that it was weak to speak. Yeah. If I if I did speak out about how I was feeling and. Um, you know, even show a little bit of vulnerability um, that somebody, one of the boys are going to start laughing at me mm. um, or one of the boys um, are going to think that I'm soft. Um, and to go back on that, <clears throat> I remember throughout my whole playing career, um, if, and I don't know why I even thought this, um, I think it's because, you know, you, you feel that you've got to be macho and you've got to be, um, you've got to be hard and whatever. And then when people would would say um, they've got depression, I'd always just I'd always look at them and I would judge them. Mm-hmm. I would always um, I'd use that as a cop out, or um, I'm like just man up and like like you know whether they got done drink driving or um, you know there was whatever. Um, incident they might have been involved in, um, and they'd say, "Oh, they've got depression." I always look down on them and go, "No, nah, you're saying that because you're not man enough to accept what you did." Yeah. Um, and that was my whole mentality. That was my way of life until I retired. Yeah. Um, and you know, <clears throat> you know, I feel guilty in in saying that because you know. The story with Brennan, yeah. um, you know, he's my best mate, and you know he, he was diagnosed with depression, and I didn't get it. Yeah. But like, um, the thing is, like, I was, I, I got when I was younger, so I was like nineteen. I got actually, this is this is how early I got. Like, kind of, I don't think, and I don't really speak about it. But when I got, I got actually diagnosed with depression when I was nineteen, like nineteen, like so. That's like. 
well early for us for a start. And then doctors used to say to me, oh, you just take these citralopram, these pills, whatever, you'll be fine. So when I was playing at Saints, I had, so from 19, I, this is when I was like, found it hard to fit in and whatnot. I was going home and beating myself up like mentally, like all the time, because I was like, how do I fit in? How do, how do I gel in this scenario? Because my, I'm quite academic. Like I was, I was always like, a, a school kid a bit like a geeky kind of kind of kid who just like was good at sport do you know what I mean and then just kind of I found it hard transitioning from being um I was obviously I was kind of I was sporty in school yeah but then once it went to once it went to a professional environment I was like I was the geek of the, the group and I, I found it like I was saying before I found it really hard to fit in so then I ended up going through a bit of a dark spell this is at 19 as well so like I've always had on and off bouts of it but it's always been in like waves for me it's not really been like um like i've been in a dark place for months and months and months it's been like you know weeks on end then i'll come out because something something some, something good will happen as in like i'll get picked for rugby or i'll get some good news or i'll get a pat on the back and then i lived these cycles of ups and downs peaks and troughs all the time through my career because i was just waiting for someone to give me a pat on the back a bit of gratification because i think i'd, I'd like that kind of um pat on the back as as, as like a kid kind of growing up well, don't get me wrong, my dad and mum were always supportive of everything, but I just felt like being a, the second child felt a little bit like um, a little bit like oh, I was always trying to uh, compete for attention. And I know it sounds that sounds pathetic, but that's how I kind of that's how I think that my kind of mental state was, and that's why I ended up being diagnosed with uh, anxiety, depression, kind of thing, which I I, I dealt with for like the, uh, nineteen when I was nineteen, twenty, and I just. I came off the, the, the tablets because they made me feel like less focused. I couldn't really think on my feet in terms of doing my, like do, doing my homework and doing like, you know, well, academically in my science, maths and whatnot. I just couldn't, I couldn't like think on the spot quick enough. And again, it, it translated into rugby as well. I couldn't like um, certain situations where like, uh, you know, you need to like think reactively where like you've got to either flick a ball on or you've got to like do something just off the cuff. They found that those those was those things were slowed down for me, so like I know exactly where you're coming from in the, the, the sense that you're talking about the this mental health thing. But like, I was from the other side, so I I knew from the start what this felt like to be in a dark place for for like extended periods of your life. So like for me, it was like waves, and like for 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 obviously Rennie there, like you said, it's that seems to have been like a, a an accumulation of of something negative and obviously I want to get Rennie on and speak to Rennie about it myself but I don't want to because I don't want to like bring Rennie into it without asking too much permission but what happened to me I'm using a story is another a, a person I used to play with I won't say his name because obviously I haven't got his permission so I used to play with a guy in similar kind of circumstance where I think because I'd been through um the, the the feelings the signs of depression and what I was a little bit more aware at this time so i was playing with this guy and it was seven o'clock in the morning um i just after a game i'd just been out after a game so it was like a sunday monday kind of thing we just ended up at seven o'clock in the morning you know you just you just got a taxi in you're like god oh, you're just about to put your head down i'm getting these texts on um, I'm, I'm just looking up and they're like you know uh oh, i love you bro um uh, like i'm uh, hope hope you hope you and daniela good and blah 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 and i'm just start, start having a conversation on text 
And then the text started to get a little bit more. Well, that again, for a start, love you, bro, was a little bit of a red flag. Like, why? Like, I know that you, I know we're good mates and stuff, but we don't really speak like that, especially in the in the rugby community. Like, usually say, oh, yeah, like, catch you soon, bro, or whatever. But it started, it started to get a bit deeper. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to message the doctor at the time. And I messaged the doctor saying, look, <clears throat> this, this, this lad, uh, one of the boys is um, talking a bit out of concept concept it just doesn't seem right and this is bearing in mind it's seven o'clock in the morning i've not been to bed yet pretty much <clears throat> and um i'm there thinking right I, I, something's got to like kind of something's not right i spoke to the doc doctor said oh like kind of if you're unsure just just keep keep a conversation going see what's going on kind of thing so i've tried to ring him and he's just uh, not answered so these texts are getting more and more like there's only like three or four texts but the, the spelling mistakes are starting to come in and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So then I just think, right, something's got to happen here. So I ring the, I ring the ambulance, <clears throat> the police and the ambulance saying, look, I think one of my, my, my pals is not doing too well. Because going back, he was having a bit of troubles with his girlfriend at the time. And I kind of knew a bit like he was having a bit of tr troubles and he wasn't getting in the team at the time. And all that, I think, accumulated to the fact that he got to this point. And anyway, so I just, I've rang the, the, the ambulance and the, the, the police service. And then I, I couldn't remember for the life of me what his address was. Like, what's his address? What's his address? Blah, blah, blah. But this is, by this time, the texts are like, like the, the last text was like, uh, love you, man. And then it just went like XXX. But then it's just like, why, why? Blah, blah, blah. Loads of just random, blah, 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 whatever. He just smashed the key. He just smashed the keyboard at this point. So I rang the police and then the police like, where's he live? I was like, I haven't got a clue. Like, I know where he lives to drive. But I've like I didn't say this to them, but I was like, I've been up all night, like so I'm not really in the state to drive. But I thought it's either drive and or this 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 guy could might not be here tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? So I thought, right, just track my phone. The police said, "Can I track your phone?" Is it all right? I said, "Yeah, yeah, sound." I'm just jumping in the car now. So I jump in the car. It's like 25 minute drive away, and so I'm driving, and I just know how to get from my house at the time to his. I know the route, but I just didn't know the address. So they're, they're following me, basically. They're following me with my my um, my phone, basically. And then I pull up into his into his like estate kind of thing. And then literally two seconds later, two police cars, two ambulances come flying past me. And then I just say to him, "Look, I think um, he might take an overdose. Just just go in." So he kind of just barge in the door. His mum and dad open the door. He's like in the house with his mum and dad, and his mum and dad don't know any of the wiser. They barge in, and as I said, obviously, I spoke to him. He's kind of upstairs, blah, blah, blah. They get him, get him upstairs, pull him out of his house, and he's completely lifeless kind of thing. And um, so the, he'd, he'd taken an overdose. I think, I think he's taken, taken like 50 Valium or something stupid, something crazy. And um, he, they, so they've wheeled him out of the house, and um, he's in the street and stuff, and he's on a stretcher and whatnot, and they just take him to the hospital, and that's like kind of all I saw of him. But then... That obviously the, he, he gets his he gets he gets on a drip and he, he he manages to be all right but he ends up having a really bad bleed and whatnot and his stomach things go bad but from if like i said if i i think that i kind of knew the telltale signs a bit a bit of how he was feeling because the weeks before he wasn't feeling great and i could see that and we were talking about certain stuff and then when i um then when obviously i i kind of recognized that and then even me being the, the uh, kind of lucky that I was up to be honest it was lucky that I was awake at seven in the morning and I've gone straight no, it, was, it was actually it's like fate that I was there and, and I know that he would have spoke to me because he probably he probably messaged me because he knew that I would have 
jumped and and thought. I think because I think I think in those times of like, he's, he's it's, obviously it's a, it's a it's a cry for help. It's it, to to send that message is a cry for help. And I think knowing how, how I would have responded, I think he knew that that was his lifeline in a way that I would have gone right. Okay, something needs to be done. And I did, and luckily I was there. And obviously you've got a similar story. And like it's this is just two examples of of two people who have played professional rugby. But imagine the people who aren't playing professional, or imagine the people who are around. So like you you had that similar situation. Obviously, you don't need to go into details, but like similar kind of thing happened to you. Yeah, I think now, now that I think about it, I I'm not sure if uh Rennie there were signs with Ren. Um, and you know, Ren, like he's, he's, um, he's pretty much the life of the party. Like, like everybody loves Ren, you know, and you joke around and I don't think there was any, I didn't notice any, any difference with him at training, um, outside of training. Um, yeah, so there weren't any, any signs that, um, well, to me, that, he was going through anything. Um, and I, I wish now that, you know, what I know now is, um, is totally different, but I, I wish I was able to um, see those signs, um, you know, how little they might, might have been, and just pull them aside and just, um, you know, put all that um, macho rugby league bullshit out, out of, you know, the side and just say, Ren, are you doing okay? Like, let's talk about things. Um, and I think, again, you know, going back to what you said, like we get caught up in um, worrying about, you know, what people are going to say or, or think of us if we open up to them or uh, if we start sharing our feelings or, or being more vulnerable. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I think, you know, the NRL, um, you know, the game is getting better. Um, you know, maybe on on professional level in, in all sports. Um, but I, I feel that it's still got um, a long way to go. Um, I know that series, um, you know, speaking to somebody since I've been retired, um, you know, I didn't know that I was, I was going through depression because I would, I would turn to alcohol. I would turn to painkillers. I would turn to all these other things just to just to numb myself from the way that I was feeling. Yeah. So, you know, I played 16 years um, and it wasn't until 20, I retired in 2017, it wasn't until 2018 where um, you know, I found out that all those times where I was, I was injured and, you know, I'd, I wouldn't return anybody's calls and I was, you know, binging on alcohol and, and taking prescriptions just to block things out and um, that I was going through depression. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. So did, did you, so like, so I think like, I think it's quite common. I think it's very common to be honest that that you don't think you, you're going through some kind of anxiety, depression or whatever, because like you said, you do numb it. And like, and even though, even though you don't believe that you're doing anything, um, you, even though you don't think that you're kind of 
that your coping mechanism is alcohol or your coping mechanism is um, a, 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 whatever, a, a prescription drug or whatever. But that is still, um, you're just masking pain. That is still depression. Like, cause, but like people, I think more and more, especially sportsmen and rugby players will, will do this because I've oh got to, I could th- I, you, I, you, if you if you think now, imagine how you know how many of the boys would have to do take X Y Z um, prescriptions to get to get to sleep because the or to you know the the end up getting um, using that as a, a a weekly routine or a daily routine. Like yeah. I can I can just think of a, ten names in my head like straight away. Like and, and it's it's a it's a, almost an epidemic problem. Do you know what I mean? That, that this this happens, but purely because. I think there's just, I think like you said, it, but I think it is still, the, the conversation isn't, the conversation isn't there amongst peers and it isn't, even though they say it is, I don't think that many people would be able to like drag a, a person to a side, especially in a group of three or four and say, look boys, like this is, this is like happened to me or this is how I'm feeling. I think, I think, it, I think it's less, even it's even less likely because I think from my point of view, I wouldn't want to do it because then I'd feel like they might say something to, to the coach or, they might say something to the someone else. It might, it might, it might be negative on my selection or my performance or whatever. That's why I wouldn't want to do it more than anything. And I, I don't know if that's, I don't know how that would 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 be changed at the minute because how would how would we change that? Like, I think that's where I think that's the, the the root thing. Being able to not worry that this might get back to someone because at the end of the day, no matter what you say to a player or. A player's player, a player, someone else you're in the, the, the sheds with, that could work against you negatively because they're, they're potentially going for your position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, with me, I was too worried about what um, they were going to think of me. Yeah. Uh, and when I was when I was going through all of that, and you know, I was I was binging and, and doing all of that. Um, I thought that no one would, no one knew, like how bad I actually was. Yeah. Um, and in saying that, like as as close as you know, I was to you know Rennie, Sunny, you know boys like that. I um, I always felt that if I did tell them, they they were going to look at me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, going to um, you know, judge me. And um, that's that's the biggest thing that I was I was scared of. And um. Now looking back at it, I know that you know they would have loved to you know for me to you know tell them everything and just just to be open. And I think if I know um, if I knew what I did now back then, like I'd openly just you know tell them how I was feeling and what I was going through. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think you know we going back to what I said earlier, we get caught up in. Um, you know the the macho-ness of, of rugby league, and you know we're not allowed to be um, vulnerable or you know share our feelings to to the boys. You know, in in fear of what they're going to think of us. Yeah. But deep down, ultimately, we're all the same kind of people. We're all just these, these lads trying to like get a pat on the back and trying to do the best for the team and the best for ourselves, trying to make our families proud and trying to make our, 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 our peers proud, trying to trying to not let, let our friends down, trying to let, let the boys down and not let the fans down. So 
uh, what we what you should probably think take from it is the fact that <clears throat> everyone is in the same boat, and even if they're not in the same boat at that that period in their life, they probably will be in that in that in, in a boat, or someone will have been in that experience, had that experience or similar feelings in in rugby or in professional sport. They will have felt like this at some point in their life. So yeah. either I think that I'll, I'll, now I've left and whatnot, I've, I've kind of doing this and trying to be able to speak about it is is, is kind of how I can help us help other people feel like they're not like alone and stuff but I think that I wish that I had probably been a bit more open I was a bit like you like I was very uh <clears throat> like just just took out myself just punished myself like you know drink and, and, and undo and do whatever was kind of mm. detrimental to myself to punish myself to kind of uh, escape it more than anything and I wish that there was kind of these conversations these these dialogues that people could listen yeah. to and and open up when I was when I was there because then maybe you know I, I wouldn't have got into certain situations or maybe I could have helped other people as well along the way because it wasn't just it's obviously not just me it's obviously not just you look you like you like kept it quiet for how many years while playing rugby and you just yeah. got on with it quietly you know so how, like that's 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 even you wouldn't want anyone else to go through that what you went through would you that's 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 what you kind of want to avoid you don't want someone to stay silent for a 10-year playing yeah. a 16-year playing yeah. Definitely. And I think the, the more conversations that I've had with um, players that are retired, they've all, every single one of them have gone through the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think they've all thought the same thing as well. You know, um, kept it to themselves, not um, comfortable in, in speaking to it, um, to their mates or, I don't know, maybe they've found people to, to speak to um, about it, but... Um, I've found that every single one um, of the boys that I've spoken to that's retired, they've all got a similar story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm fortunate enough that I've, um, you know, I've, I've accepted it and then I, I know, um, I know how to um, get myself out of that funk yeah. where um, I see, you know, there's, there's still, there's still boys that are struggling that have been retired for, you know, three or four or five years yeah. um, that are still trying to find themselves um, after footy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a massive thing. It's yeah. that, that for me, apart from obviously being injured, that for me, once I finished and like once I was told I can't play because of my hip and stuff, that for me was the hardest two years of my life because like it's been like two, nearly two, pretty much two years now because of... The fact that you get that that taken away, like that's I said at the very beginning, that structure taken away from you, and like you're so used to having a regimented, um, like daily ritual. You get up, you do this. You've got this on a Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. Once that's taken away from you, even me, who has who had a, a an education and like I had all these things like running for me, like everything stopped at once. Like I had no rugby, I had no education, I had nothing. So it's like. And then to be told you can't play rugby again, you're just stuck in a, a like a, after after you've just got out of the hospital. That for me was definitely the the hardest time like of my life <laughs> in terms of mental awareness. Everything was just like I just went I just went sideways because it was all these structures went out of my life. Then I, then I kind of took up um, like medit meditation and I started to get structure um, in my day. I had to I, had to, I, I got myself. Um, uh, like a, it's a diary book kind of thing where you just you just kind of I write my week out and I, I literally plan I plan my days like in terms of I'll have this obviously you can't plan it so regimented with a baby like everything gets thrown out of whack but I, I tend to have 
Monday, what I'm going to do, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I'll break it down into like, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, morning, afternoon, evening, just to keep that structure in there. And if I don't do that that thing, I'll, I'll feel like, oh, you know what, I, it's not it's not the end of the world, but I'd like to try and stick to that because once I fall off that um, kind of wagon, I start to see other negative things creep in. Like I'll start looking at my phone. But I know this is nothing, but start, start checking social media or getting angry at yourself for social media, look comparing yourself to other people. Then you start to have one glass of wine a night, then it, a night, then it could be, you know, you end up having a couple of bottles a week. Then it's like, oh, I'll just have a, a bottle a night. And it just creeps up slowly and surely. It just starts to snowball. But once once you keep that structure, I think this is this is how I've dealt with it, keeping a structure for myself and keeping myself accountable to myself, not anyone else, just making sure that I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing and not listening to what anyone else expects of me or, or anybody else's opinion of me. As long as I'm kind of sticking to my own structure my plan for my week then I seem to be a lot better and that's how I kind of I, I, that's how I've dealt with it now like obviously how how do you know how, how do you deal with it what, what's your what's your little ritual method yeah I'm, I'm totally the same it wasn't until maybe six months post um post 40 where I found that um it was structure and routine is what I was missing yeah. in my life and um, and once I got that in and I started training and just, um, and at the time I just thought it was, it wasn't nothing, but just eating right as well. Yeah. Um, like mentally I, I had, like, I was, yeah, post 40, like that's, that six months. Like I was, I was in a pretty dark place and, um, you know, I, didn't open up to anybody and I was staying with um, a few friends down in Sydney and there was a lot of times where I wouldn't even come out of the room and I didn't know nothing of it. Um, but then, you know, now that I'm in, a, and I'm in like a much better place, since they pointed it out to me, I was like, um, I can see it for what it was now. Yeah. Um, so that structure and that routine um, was something that I, I needed in my life and I, I still have my days where I, I struggle um, and I'm still trying to, you know, sort of navigate um, life, you know, postfully. And um, but I know, you know, like you said, once I had that routine and instruction in my life, then um, yeah, then I'm yeah, I'm way better for it. And you're still you're still training every day. You still have to keep yourself fit every day while training. Yeah, yeah, I feel if I miss if I miss a day, then um, I really feel it. Like yeah. I feel like. You know, physically and mentally. So, even if I'm not up for it, I just, yeah. I've just said to myself, just go there. Just even if I, if I'm going through the motions, yeah. um, just make that effort to go to the gym. Um, you know, whether it's um, half an hour, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, just do it. Because I know that when I walk out of that gym, um, my mind's a lot clearer. Like I'm feeling a lot. There's actually, there's actually a, quite a, a lot of studies there, and I've read a book called... Uh, I'm the, just going to turn this bottle. Yeah, man, don't worry about it. Just go, go for it. Yeah, you were just, you were just disappearing there. <laughs> <Slowly, but surely. laughs> I saw the screen. Uh, no, so there's this, uh, there's this thing called... I think it's called Seven Habits. Okay, I can't find the book. It's around here somewhere. Anyway, it's about like... Um, like habit loops and like forming positive and negative habits. And like one of the things that this guy said about like changing a negative into a positive, he, he, he goes, he goes deep in, I'll find out what it's called. I'll put the link in the show notes after this, but basically he goes in to say, even if you just turn it up, like you just said, 
even if you just turn up. So a person who is, 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 doesn't really exercise, just go to the gym, just turn up to the gym, just walk into the gym. doesn't even matter if you don't do anything. Just turn up, walk into the gym. Even if you go home after, after two minutes, that's fine. You've got to the gym. So that's creating a little, a little link in your brain that goes, right, okay, I get up, I go to the gym. So like what I do, I get up, I, I get up, go downstairs, go into, I've, I've made it, built a gym into my, my house now because I'm <laughs> sick, sick of gyms closing. <laughs> so I go up, I'll sit in the, put the music on, meditate for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long I feel, and then I'll stretch and then I'll do my, my gym. So it's like just turning up though. This guy says, if you just turn up, someone who's like goes from having like no, um, basically someone who's never done sport and never done any training in their life. If they just turn up every, every day, even if they just turn up to that gym, walk out after five minutes, next week they go in, they go for six minutes, they go for seven minutes, they go for eight minutes. That just builds up after two weeks. That builds that habit loop in your brain that goes, right, I can do this now. This is what I do. I wake up, I go to the gym and then it becomes like, oh, I'm just doing 30 minutes. I'm, I'm, then, then it just becomes habitual, like a, a negative habit loop becomes positive because of repetition. So that's exactly like kind of what, that's that's kind of how I use, now I'm training people and like helping people. That's kind of, I've got this woman at the minute, I'm, I'm, I've been uh, coaching and she's like not trained for six, seven years. She used to be a gymnast or whatnot, but she's just not done anything for six, seven years. She's like had kids and just let herself go kind of thing. But what I've just been doing with her is literally just that that kind of, on that, on that ilk is just get up and make sure you just do a, a 3K walk today and like making sure that I'm, I'm seeing that she's doing it, recording it on the Strava and whatnot. And just making sure she's doing it, just having that accountability. And it's it's only been two weeks. She's like, she's just a different person. It's mad how just a little bit of exercise, just a little bit of feeling good, and a little pat on the back, a little bit of recognition that I've just given her is like enough to make her change her. I can see it already. It's only two weeks since she like changed her life. So that's kind of the rewarding side of it. And I think that that's like kind of again trying to teach people that you do need these structures, you do need these like positive influences in your life, and these positive habit leads to. For everyone does not just rugby players, not just sportsmen. Everyone needs it. Everyone needs structure. Everyone. So if like going going away, um, just just to, to sign off because I've got I've got a class in like half an hour. I've got I've got to do. Um, just sign off like because it's like a fitness mindset motivation kind of that's the the theme of like what what I'm trying to get across. Like what what for you if you had like um, so you've got speaking to the young you or a, a young a younger kid coming through or a younger. Sixteen, fifteen, however old they are, what would be your advice um, to the, to them in terms of um, play uh, pursuing a professional sports career or not, or like going down a, an academic route? What would your advice from your years of playing sport and just living <laughs> your your years? What would you what would your advice be to a younger you say or a younger me coming through or just this a, a random person coming through? What would your advice be like just just briefly what you can think of to, to like to better steady the ship through life and to, to better to better deal with life like if you if you know what i'm trying to say yeah like, yeah yeah it's a bit of a tough one um <clears throat> i'd say um work hard um and I, I know that this gets thrown around a lot but um you know what i've seen is that there's so many um, talented people out there. Like talent, you know, you see it everywhere. Um, but if you don't, what I've found, if what I've seen, if you don't apply hard work um, 
to whatever you want to do, like whether it's um, in um, you know, academically or you know in sports or whatever it may be, like you just won't go anywhere. Um, and I've seen it so many times where um, you know kids will come down from you know the country or whatever, have all the talent in the world, but um, and they know they're talented, and so they think that they don't have to work as hard as um, the guy next to them, you know, the girl next to them. Um, so yeah, for me, um, you know, work hard, and um, if I was speaking to a younger, my younger self was would be to um, stay the course, like remember um, why I'm doing it. You know, and it's because I, I fell in love with it, like you know, fell in love with the game. Yeah. Um, and you know yourself, there's a lot of um, outside influences, you know, come and um, a lot of you know people trying to trying to knock you off and yeah. um, trying to take off course. And I fell into that a lot of times, um, where um, you know, rugby league wasn't my focus, and I, I started focus on other things that. Um, that took me off the path that I, I wanted to be on. Um, I don't know. Is that making sense? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think I did. I think I did that. Like, if what I would what I would kind of say if to my younger self as well um, is the fact that I think I wish I had a, uh, set goals. Like I wish I had a set goals earlier in my. Well, I never really set goals. I had like things that I wanted to achieve in my career in my head, but I never really wrote them down, and I never really said to myself what I wanted to like a month, something monthly, something weekly, something yearly, something five yearly, just to, and then that can be tweaked and changed every month or every year. Like that can be always changed, but that would have kept me a little bit more structured knowing and it also like structured in, in what I want to achieve that month, that week, that year, whatever. But it would have also, when there was times when I knew I wasn't, was falling off and it wasn't going to align with my goals then I would probably be able to have a, a talking to myself because at the end of the day, it's it's always down to you. It's not no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is gonna, no one else is gonna go. No one else is gonna slap you across the head and say, right, you, well, not many people will say, right, you're doing this wrong. And, and would you listen to them at the time? You probably won't listen to them because you, you don't want to be told. Only you can hold yourself accountable. <laughs> Only you can hold yourself accountable to that point where you, I, I like, you, if you're doing something wrong, you need to be able to say. Right, okay, um, is this in line with this goal? No, it's not going to help me, is it? It's not going to help me achieve that. So, with okay. what you said, I think, I think that I, I wish you, you wish you said you work hard and whatnot, but I think working hard comes with having structure again and having a goal always in mind so you can reassess whether you are working hard to that goal or you're just taking the piss out of yourself because at the end of the day, it's only you who's going to suffer. Um, at the end of at the end of your career, it's only you who's going to go, oh, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that. So you've got to think about that as, as you go along. Yeah, definitely, but I agree. Yeah, man. Right, man, I'm just going to have to wrap it up because I've got, I've got to go and plan for a class now. But um, we should uh, just catch up again sometime properly where we can just have a chat, me and you, and um, yeah, we'll, just, uh, we'll, have a good, we'll have a good catch up on FaceTime because it's only, it's only a camera and you're only across the other side of the world. It's not, it's not that bad getting up at six o'clock in the morning for me, so we've got to do it again, man. Yeah. Right, brother. Take it easy. Have a good weekend and have a good Valentine's Day. Thank you, man. Peace. See you later, bro. Well, there you have it, episode eight. Now, obviously, a few things that's 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 arose from this episode. Um, 
obviously we've both been talking about issues that are really relevant in terms of mental health, mental well-being, uh, anxiety, depression. So I really want to thank Willie for being as open as he could be and expressing how things have affected, how these things have affected him personally. And uh, it was good to get a conversation and a dialogue going between me and him, as we're both similar kind of characters have had similar issues in, in, in during our playing careers. So I hope this episode really does reach someone or who can it can be shared to someone who can benefit from this this conversation and can see that even even sportsmen even anyone from any walks of life this th- these things can happen to and it's just it's good to get these conversations out there so that it, the stigma is is abolished um, because the, the, no one wants to be affected by these but every, everyone is and um, i just hope that this can this episode in particular can, can help someone now if um, you could just do me a massive favour it would really help the visibility of this episode and the, the podcast series itself just uh, take take a minute to give a give a rating on Apple iTunes and, and just leave a, leave a bit of feedback that would go a long way to, to help out the, the algorithm to, to help the discovery of this, this, this podcast and to share these experiences with people with similar potentially having similar issues in their lives today and um dealing with it in silence like like willie did for for so long of his career again thanks willie and i will see you all next week for episode nine peace